Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 318 with Megan Lyons. I'm so excited to have this chat with Megan because she is such an expert with deep, deep wisdom when it comes to nutrition, health, energy, all the stuff. And she comes at it from a data-driven background and perspective, strong evidence base, so good. So you'll learn one, surprising insights that come from keeping a food journal, two, the difference proper hydration makes and just how much water you should actually be drinking each day. And three, how to prepare energizing meals with minimal kitchen time. So if you'd like to take a look at the show notes, the transcript, the links to items that we've referenced, and Megan brings a lot of great links, so I highly recommend it this time. It's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep318. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some nifty stuff. One of the niftiest of stuffs is the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course. So if you'd like to get more done and spend less time doing it, I've got 10 bite-sized tasty tactics that go to your inbox one a day for 10 days that have been shown to slash on average over 80 minutes of waste per work week on out of there. That's over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Megan's story. Founder and owner of the Lions Share Wellness, Megan Lyons is deeply passionate about inspiring others to feel their healthiest and happiest. Megan is the author of Start Here, Seven Easy Diet-Free Steps to Achieve Your Ultimate Health and Happiness, a top 10 Amazon bestseller in nutrition. Megan holds degrees and certifications from Harvard University, Northwestern University, and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and is a candidate for a master's in holistic nutrition. She lectures widely at hospitals, corporations, and organizations. When she's not health coaching, you can find her working out, teaching fitness classes, cooking, reading, traveling, and cheering on the Dallas Mavericks. Big thanks to Megan for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Megan. Megan, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks, Pete. I'm excited to be here. Oh, me too. You one time placed second in a crossword puzzle competition. Tell us, how does a crossword puzzle competition work? Is it live? Are they all gathered in the same space? What's the story here? It's absolutely as nerdy as it sounds in the best possible way. I embrace my nerdiness. It was a college competition held by Will Shorts, who is the editor of the New York Times crossword puzzle, famous crossword puzzleist, And he hosted a student competition at my college. And I loved crossword puzzles. I still do. It's a great way to kind of tune my mind out from everything else. So you just sit there in silence and he gives you a crossword puzzle and you race to finish it at the most Uh, in the most accurate way and as quickly as possible. And then you run down the auditorium stairs and turn in your puzzle and that's it. Then they grade it and you win or don't win. But it seems like when you mentioned the racing part, that you could just build a whole like movie or or dramatic story out of the, out of the event. And um, so was it like that? Were there, were there hundreds of people in rows and rows and rows of tables, or, or what was it like in the scene? Uh, it was a, a college auditorium, so there were probably 200 people or so, and you have those little folding desks that kind of come from the side of your chair and then flip over, 
So it's not the most spacious atmosphere. Everyone's kind of squinched in together. I guess you could make a movie, but there's a lot of silence going on, a lot of scratching <laughs> your head. So it might be a bit boring. You got to have maybe the montage music and, the dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, and then the, the, the bits and pieces. Well, I've never been very good at crossword puzzles, even though I'm usually pretty good at trivia contests. And so I don't know, what, what's the key? You know, how, how does crossword excellence bloom? The skill is in two things. One is repetition. So you'll find the same words used over and over and over. And as soon as you can get a little hook, as soon as you're 100% sure of a word, then you can start using the letters that are there to fill in the rest. And then number two, I have a weird memory thing where if I read, let's say, 48 across and I don't know the answer, in my mind, I still can see the clue. When I look down at the puzzle where 48 across should be, I can still see that clue. So I can mm. keep it all in my brain, uh, which makes me just a little bit quicker. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. I love the game Bananagrams in which you are sort of competing to form your own words with others. Have you played that one? I have played. It's been been quite a while, but you, you make up words. Is that true? Well, it, well yeah, I guess if you're cheating. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think the people I, I played with must have been cheating because it was frustrating to me. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I looked up like words with the letter Q that don't have a U in them, Ooh. which was has served me so well. And I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Kintar or Kintar? I it, don't know that one. I, I believe it's an Albanian currency worth half of a lek. The plural is Kindarka. Uh, but I, I might be using, pronouncing it so wrong, but that, everyone says you made that up. It's like, please challenge me. It's uh, it's ah. my go-to for a Q and no U because T's and A's and R's and I's are plentiful. I love that. If I see it in a crossword puzzle, I will send you a picture. Oh, please. That would be so good. That'd be so good. <laughs> uh, well, so anyway, that's the crossword story, uh, but you're yeah. also uh, applying your mental skills to another endeavor. You're business, the lion's share wellness. What's it all about? Yeah. So it's about cutting through the junk, basically the fad diets out there, just the diet culture in general, I guess the conflicting information out on the marketplace, the diet industry is a $60 billion industry because everyone's saying something different. And I want to get to the root of what actually makes people feel better mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, so mainly what I do is one-to-one -one nutrition consulting for people who want to lose weight, solve digestive issues, increase their energy, basically just clean up their diets and don't know where to start. But my approach is rooted in several things that set me apart. Science for one, positivity for two. I, I'm really, I'm not about attacking you. I'm not about feeling uh, bad about your decisions or beating you up for anything. And then bio-individuality is the third one. Mm, was, oh, well, uh, there's so much to, to go on right away. So, well, that's kind of what, what struck me about your message, because, you know, I, I do hear a lot of incoming requests from from wellness coaches, but but none of them have your sort of deep background from sort of data, analytical, research-based stuff, you know, coming from McKinsey. So, so that was really cool and, and eye-catching. And, and so, so, so first, just because uh, maybe it's on listeners' minds, what does the word bioindividuality mean? In my mind, it means that different nutrition approaches work for different people. So there's not any one-size-fits-all meal plan, diet, et cetera, that works for absolutely everyone. There are 
a few things uh, that we can talk about as we go into it that do apply to most people. But if it were so simple that there was one magic diet, I mean, everyone would be following it and we wouldn't have a health crisis on our hands. Now, when you say works, I'm imagining that in sort of two ways. Uh, One is, hey, it works for my lifestyle and my schedule and my kitchen setup and, you know, my travel schedule, you know, that kind of, it works as I I can fit it into what I'm doing with my life. But then I think there's another dimension of, of works in terms of, which is, I want to hear your take on, are you saying that individual bodies that are biochemistry will react differently and substantially so to the same inputs. Like I may react to high protein or high fat or whatever completely differently than, than you would. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. So, well, that's intriguing because I think that, well, hey, it's, there's a lot of noise and a lot of conflicting views out there when it comes to nutrition. So do you have any sort of uh, uh, proof points or, or a study you can point to that that says, here's your smoking gun. This is absolutely the truth. Oh, yes. I think if we had five hours, I could fill it easily with this. But I'll start with one of my favorite examples, which many of your listeners who are in this world, in the nutrition world, might have heard of the Inuit paradox. The Inuits are a group of Eskimos in Greenland, and they are super healthy. Their uh, mortality rate is very low. Their incidence of chronic disease is very low, at least those of them who are still eating their traditional diet. Uh, And their traditional diet is basically all whale blubber. They... (laughs) Don't eat vegetables. Um, and, and trust me, I am the number one preacher of vegetables. So this study kind of pains me to even admit. Uh, but they basically just eat whale blubber all of their lives. And if you look at the science, that could be almost impossible to have no incidence of cancer, et cetera, without vegetables and with so much saturated fat, but they're remarkably healthy. And then on the other hand, if you look at groups of people that are featured in books like the blue zones or uh, incidences of high octogenarians, people who live a really long time, they are mostly eating vegetables. So I think in the blue zones, which studies nine, I believe, of these societies, the average meat consumption is 15 ounces per month, which is four to five really small servings of meat per month. So if you compare that to the Inuit, it just, there's no one right answer. Uh, and then I'll give you one more since I love this stuff. A personal example, I got into it initially because of my own journey into trying to feel better, trying to have more energy. But as I progressed, I was having some really serious GI issues, some bloating, just discomfort all the time. And I knew based on knowing my body that spinach, almonds, and oranges were causing these issues for me. Hmm. And I went to a bunch of GI GI doctors and they all said, are you crazy? Those foods are really healthy. No, no one can have issues caused by spinach, almonds, and oranges. And finally, I found a food intolerance test and the test showed remarkably that I was intolerant to spinach, oranges, and almonds. And so those healthy foods for most people just were not healthy for my body at that time. And once I took them out for six months, I felt so much better after that. Well, now that's intriguing right there. The, 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 we could have some food intolerances that we don't even know about that by purging can yield dramatic results. Megan, how do I, how do I 
get me one of these tests. Yeah. So I'll caution you that there are a lot of food intolerance tests out there. And I'll tell you how to get it. One way is through me, through my practice, I do food intolerance testing. Uh, And so if listeners are interested in that, they could just go to my website or email me and hopefully we can put those links in the show notes. But Mm -hmm. I'll caution you even before that, that you know your body the best. And if you're having some kind of issues, it is easy to take a blood test and get a paper that tells you, yes, 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 no, no, no. But the science is still pretty new and your experience is much more valid than that. So I already knew oranges, spinach, and almonds before I took the test. I just took the test to have some validation, to have some data behind it, to justify what I already knew I needed to do for my body. So I always encourage people, try eliminating those things that you think are causing you issues first. If you don't know, try some of the common triggers. Almost always it's gluten, dairy, eggs, nuts, maybe even bananas and avocados would be the next. So try some of those before you spend the $500 or more to get a food intolerance test. Well, you know, it's interesting because as, as I think about my own, you know, diet and experience of, of vitality, I don't know if anything at all is leaping to mind, you know, but I think that there could be something lurking because some days I feel on fire, brilliant, alive, alert, awake, enthusiastic. And then other days are just like, huh. Seems a little hard to to do the thinking that is required of this task in front of me, and 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 I don't even know what the variable is. So I would ask you before you do the test: Have you ever kept a really detailed food journal? No. I would do that. It's so amazing how much you can figure out just by keeping a food journal for one week. People find the most obvious things when you when it's on paper, it's like, oh, duh, of course, every day after I eat a donut, I feel like junk or something like that. Even if you're not really eating a donut, I'm being dramatic, but you'll notice patterns just by writing it down. It's just that we forget. It's not important to remember what I had as a morning snack seven days ago. So I don't tie that to my symptoms. And with intolerances, symptoms can show up up to 48 hours after. So unless you're really writing it down, it's hard to do that. And Pete, just for you, if you do a food journal for a week, I'm more than happy to look over it and see if I can find anything for you. Oh, shucks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so bioindividuality is for real. And, and so you can get to the bottom of it with, uh, with a food journal and or the, the food intolerance test. Well, so then could you share with us then sort of beyond the individuality, if we had to generalize a bit when it comes to uh, professionals and, and I will say in the United States, shout out, thank you, international listeners, but I guess for 80% in the U.S. and and apparently the U.S. has uh, some dietary things uh, that could be a bit different than, than other nations. Uh, so, so what are some of the top top things that has some some great evidence behind what we should do if we want to feel more alive, energetic, and and brilliant every day? Yeah. So I'm gonna underwhelm you at first, but when I underwhelm you, if if someone says, "Oh my gosh, you're talking about water." I'm going to challenge you to see if you're actually doing what I'm saying. So there goes the first one is drinking more clean water. 
it is so, so, so important. 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated and we don't even get the, the feelings anymore. Our body stops sending us signals that we're dehydrated. But when we are, not only is our digestion impaired, but our brain function slows down really, really quickly. Our body, we have fatigue. We need more sleep. There are so many things that happen when we're dehydrated that I have to give that as the number one tip. So I, my rule is always half your body weight in pounds plus 16 for every hour of exercise you do daily. So if you weigh 200 pounds and you exercise an hour a day, that's 116 ounces of water that you need to be drinking. And this does not include coffee. It does not include soda. It's really just water. So that always has to be my number one. Number two is going to be eating more vegetables. And again, this is something that everyone knows who's listening to this podcast, eat more vegetables. Of course, we've heard that all of our lives, but hold up a fist in front of your face. That's a serving size for the average person or for your individual person. A baby needs fewer vegetables than a, you know, 300 pound male. So a fist size is a serving size. I encourage people to get eight to 12 servings of vegetables every single day. Do you think most of your listeners do that? No, no, most people definitely do not do that. It's hard to do in a busy world when we're, uh, you know, getting information thrown at us from a dozen different angles and we have places to go and we're not just sitting there picking vegetables out of our garden, but it's really, really important, uh, and will help you feel like you said, energetic, more clear at work, uh, just better able to function throughout the day. Well, as I visualize the mound of, of eight to 12 of my fists, and granted, yes. I, I have large hands, okay. but it, it is, it's substantial. And so I'm curious in practice how, how that's done. I, I guess it's a, a bunch of salads is probably the most direct answer. But, but what's your take? How, how do people pull that off? And are, I've heard about these greens supplements or beverages, or is that any good or how how do we think about this? Yeah. I always think that eating your vegetables is the best, but then there are several supplements that if we're just not able to achieve the best case, there are several out there that I'll talk about. Just to give you an example of how it's done, my average day in the life for breakfast, I'll either have probably a breakfast hash, which is like sweet potatoes, zucchini, Brussels sprouts, and some turkey and some spices, maybe some good quality, healthy fat in there. Or I'll have a green smoothie or I have a crustless quiche recipe on my website that's pretty popular with people. So something like that, I'll get at least two probably three servings of vegetables in my breakfast. You'll notice that I eat a lot of food. I'm a smallish person, but I eat a lot of food. It just happens to be a lot of vegetables. So then for lunch, you called it a salad is generally a great way to get in your vegetables. However, most people, when they start trying to be healthy, it's like, oh, salad, hold the avocado, no dressing, please, something like that. And I really, really encourage you to have healthy fat with your salad. Otherwise, it'll never fill you up. It'll never satiate you. And then you'll always think of salad as a bad, boring thing. So load up that salad with a bunch of protein, a bunch of healthy fat, and really have something that you enjoy. So that's another four servings easily with my salad at lunch. And then 
I have a veggie pack every single afternoon, which is one of uh, the simplest things I've ever made up. But you would be amazed how many of my clients who have paid you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars, they come back and they're like, oh, that one thing that you told me, the veggie pack, that's what changed my life. So it's a little, uh, a little frustrating and positive all at the same time. But a veggie pack is simply a Ziploc baggie, or I use these reusable stasher bags or any, any container full of raw vegetables. And I make seven of them on Sundays. I encourage myself. I eat that before any other snack in the day. I just get those vegetables in and that lowers cravings throughout the day. That really does pick up your energy, increases the fiber that you're consuming. So your digestion's improved, helps you prevent overeating at dinner. So, so many benefits. So that's another two. I think I'm at Let's see, how many am I at? Eight or nine right now. And then for dinner, I'm generally having some kind of like salmon and vegetables or chicken cauliflower fried rice with cauliflower, obviously, some kind of vegetables that give me another two or three servings. So for me, I average 10 to 11 per day. I understand that for someone who's traveling like I used to do all the time or someone who uh, chooses not to prepare their food for whatever reason, that's tough. So you called it with the greens powders. Uh, My favorite one is Organifi. Um, I have no connection with them. I just think it's a really great company. And that's a powder that you dump into a water bottle and just shake it up and drink it. It doesn't taste so bad. And it gives you some great quality uh, vegetables and fruits in there. Uh, And then capsule-wise, for people who can't even or don't even want to drink the juice, Juice Plus is another good one. That's a capsule. Mm, Well, that's good. Thank you. And I've heard a lot about Organifi, mostly from podcast ads. So I know, I know. Organifi, you think it's cool. And I'm intrigued now because I've, I've heard a lot about it. And, but even more so eating the vegetables in those moments, that's, that's handy. Well, so then, okay. So we got the water, we got the vegetables and the other big ones. Yes. I want to talk about sugar, but I want to throw in a stat since you just reminded me that you're so, that you're so specific about your request. So I have a really great stat, one of my favorites from a 2017 report in the Journal of Epidemiology. It said that an estimated 5.6 to 7.8 million premature deaths worldwide every year could be reversed or maybe attributable to a deficiency in fruit and vegetable intake. So that is huge. We're talking millions and millions of deaths every single year just by eating a veggie pack or something simple like that. So do it. Eat those veggies. Get those veggie packs in. But then I have to talk about sugar as well. And I wrote a book a couple years ago called Start Here, uh, which gives some of these basic tips, but lots more statistics behind it. And the sugar chapter was absolutely my favorite chapter to write because I got to see how much of an issue this really is. It is almost impossible to reduce or to uh, avoid added sugar. And I work in this field. I study this day in and day out, and I know more than the average person, but I'm still consuming added sugar all the time because it is in everything. I think it's 72% of uh, products in the average grocery store that are in a package have added sugar. So 
it's just incessant. And I really believe it's causing a bunch of our health issues as Americans, but really as the world. If you plot some of the the chronic diseases in our sugar consumption, it's a pretty direct correlation. So whether it's actual like sugar laden foods that everyone knows, ice cream, cookies, cakes, things like that, or it's just getting really, really conscious of where sugar's hiding in salad dressings and tomato sauces and yogurt and juices and drinks and bread and granola bars and all this kind of stuff. Uh, working on reducing your added sugar would be, or your sugar intake overall would be incredibly helpful. And and what is the the problem with sugar? Oh gosh, again, do you have five hours? So the the basic problem is that when we eat sugar. Sugar in our bloodstream is not good. Our body doesn't like that. Our body likes sugar in our cells. And sugar in our cells is actually helpful to some extent. It's glucose. A lot of people hear of it as glucose, and that powers the brain. Your brain prefers to be, uh, or it's easiest for your brain to operate on glucose. So in the cells, it's not a bad thing. But in order to get it from the bloodstream into the cells, we need a hormone called insulin, which a lot of people have heard of, but they don't know what it is. And I like to think of insulin as like a Pac-Man. Pac-Man with the mouth opening and closing, it grabs onto the sugar in the bloodstream and it shuttles it into a cell. So it's actually really, really helpful. And when we eat something like an apple, the insulin response that we get when we eat an apple, let's say it has 20 grams of sugar, we get the appropriate amount of insulin to get all those 20 grams into our cells and nothing's left over. But when we eat or drink a soda or something like that, which our body doesn't really recognize, it's different types of sugars. It's high fructose corn syrup and it doesn't have nutrients and fiber and things that uh, help our body deal with it. We get too much insulin secreted. So if there, if you uh, drink the same 20 grams of sugar from soda, you would get a higher insulin response. And that excess insulin is what causes issues. So it causes you to store belly fat, which a lot of people don't like, but also it, it turns into much more significant issues in my mind, things like insulin resistance, which then turns into type two diabetes, which is something that everyone wants to avoid. And even things like Alzheimer's, neurological conditions are highly linked to an excess of insulin over time. I'm certainly not saying that if you have one soda in your life, you're going to get Alzheimer's or cancer or any of these things. But over time, that excess insulin response is, uh, is linked to so many of these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, noted. So, so sugar is problematic. Uh, any other yeah. sort of key you sort of don'ts when it comes to getting that uh, high level of of energy and and mental brilliance. Yes. I really like to focus on the do's, but I'm going to give you a few more don'ts because like I said, positivity is my thing. I think uh, added sugar is number one. The number two don't that I would say is false health products. So never believe anything that's on the front of the package. If it says, healthy or diet or anything like that. I use in my presentations when I'm using PowerPoint, which is still my consultant crutch. I have a slide with this pure protein bar and it says, eat good, look great, uh, high protein, low sugar, gluten-free, all these claims on the front. But people don't realize that you can put anything on the front of a package. It's widely unregulated. And then you turn it over the first thing I want you to look at is the ingredients there. 
I don't really care if it has 20 grams of protein and zero grams of sugar and zero calories, which isn't possible anyway. That doesn't matter to me if the ingredients are junky. So I want you to look at the ingredients and I have three rules for looking at ingredients. Number one, fewer is better. So many of these protein bars and false health foods have 40, 50 ingredients. It's like chemical soup in there. So too many ingredients uh, is number one. Number two is ingredients that you recognize. There are some, quote, energy bars or protein bars, whatever you want to call them, that the ingredients are uh, very simple. Like you may have seen the RX bar, which says five almonds, six cashews, three dates, two egg whites, and no BS or something like that on the package. Mm -hmm. The point is you recognize all of those ingredients on, on many of these bars or health products. You don't recognize the ingredients. And then the last one tying back into our sugar conversation is I don't want sugar in any of its forms to be uh, in the first three ingredients. So ingredients are listed in descending order of volume, and I don't want sugar to be one of the top ingredients. Uh, the only kicker here is that there are over 63, well, that's kind of a funny thing to say, over 63. I believe there are 63 FDA-approved words for sugar. So you have to be pretty careful. Look for any, any kind of sugar, cane sugar, maple sugar, corn sugar, anything like that, any kind of syrup, high fructose corn syrup, maple syrup, whatever, or anything ending in O-S-E. Mm -hmm. Okay. 63. Interesting. Uh, yeah. do, can we link to that? Do you have uh, that um, catalog somewhere? Yes. I will find it for you and get it to you. Oh, thank you. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So we got some, some big do's and, and some don'ts. I want to hear your meal planning and prepping approach. It seems like you've put tons of thought into this and have it down. And, and I guess I'm just sort of coming to terms with time after time, I'm hungry and I just don't have a plan. And then it's just kind of whatever. <laughs> it's like whatever yeah. I can grab and put in my mouth in the time I have before the next appointment. And, and, and I'm, I think I'm just coming to terms with this ain't working so well. And, and, yeah. and you've kind of really got a process down. Can you lay it out for us? How does it work? Sure. Well, first I meal prep or meal plan and food prep for exactly the reason you said. It's not that I believe everyone has to do this or else, you know, you're not fancy or something like that. Not for the Instagram, believe it or not. It's just that my lifestyle is full, is busy, and I like it that way. But if I'm walking in from work at 8.30 p.m. and I'm starving, I'm not about to spend an hour cooking my dinner. I would much rather go pick something up or drive through something or whatever. But if I walk in at 8.30 p.m. and my meal is already ready to go. I'm excited about it. I've made it a few days before and all I have to do is heat it up, then I'm much more likely to go ahead and eat that. So it all comes from, have you ever heard of Sean Aker? He wrote a book Happiness called Happiness Advantage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He talks about lowering the activation energy of uh, habits that you want to encourage. And this is a long studied um, theory or tactic 
that I believe to be true in almost every occasion. When we make things easier that we want to do, we will actually do them. As silly as, as simple as that sounds, it's so true. So meal planning and prepping is all about just making it easier for me to eat healthily. And basically what I do, uh, I'm going to give you the 30 second version. And then I have a webinar that is maybe 45 minutes for anyone who's really interested in going into the weeds. They can access that. But basically what I do is I have this template, which is a grid of the week and all of the meals. I block off any events where I'm going to be served food or I'm going out to eat. And then I put a a box by those occasions where I need it to be all ready to go five minutes or less, no preparation required. And then I just start plotting in meals. So I have probably four or five breakfasts that I rotate through all the time. I don't really get bored for breakfast. It's just something that I want nutritious and quick and delicious and that's it. So I plot one of those in. Then I do the same for lunch and dinner with probably a little bit more variety. And then I go to the grocery store. As soon as I get back from the grocery store, I chop everything right then. Don't even spend the time to put it back in the fridge. It seems like you're just wasting two minutes, but those two minutes every single week add up. And then you have many more excuses later. So chop it right away. And every single week, I have something in the crock pot, something in the stove, something that's raw and something in the oven. Uh, and so that just makes it easy for me to be like mad scientist in the kitchen doing four meals at once. By the time I'm done, I have, I like to say 21 meals for the week, but I really don't actually prepare. I probably prepare 18 of my meals for the week and I have it all ready to go in, in glass storage containers. And it just makes my life so much easier. Oh, that's so good. One of the crock pot, one in the stove, one in the oven and one raw, you say. Yes, that's right. So then we could have all of them kind of going at the same time. The crock pot's crocking, the stove is burning. Well, not burning, yep. you know. The stove tops uh, hopefully are... Hopefully <laughs> not burning. Although I have set off the fire alarm at least five times in my food prep. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I got a few things going on at once. And then and you're making them kind of in in pretty substantial quantities. So so is that yep. fair to say? Like you're, the, the crock pot might have six meals in it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's great. And so, yes. Well, let's talk about these glass storage containers. Sure. I, I want. I guess I've I've looked a couple times at Amazon, and I once again I interrogate the Amazon options. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know how many times I've I've clicked into no no show me all reviews, and now I want to keyword search several things within them. Uh, oh, is kind of, I, <laughs> I like this. Is kind of my approach. So. So these these storage containers, I guess, in my world, uh, I've yet to quite find the ultimate. And and I've I've looked at maybe three times and and sort of uh, aborted, you know, the the mission after about twenty minutes of ah, I can't quite find what I want, man, you know, and then something <laughs> else, something else, you know, takes me away. So I guess in my dream world, the perfect food storage container would be uh, about meal sized. So hey, one meal, there you go. Uh, it, it stacks together so you can sort of stash them away in the kitchen without taking up, you know, gobs of space. You you would have some kind of a a lid or a, you know, spill prevention so that if you needed to put it in a briefcase or a suitcase, you can do that. And, and then you can you can microwave it. And and I've heard, and, and maybe you've got the, the dirt on this, is that it's it's sort of bad news to to microwave plastics because it can release uh, phytoestrogens or something bad. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's the BPA thing that we hear about. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's true. I wouldn't stress about it microwaving plastic one time, uh, but if you're going to do it every day, I, I definitely do recommend staying away from plastic. So, so, so give us lay it on us. What's the the perfect solution? You, you said you're using glass. Yeah, I do. I use these snapware glass dishes, I guess, that I got from Amazon. And I have a little bit.ly link. Do you use bit.ly links ever? They're just, they just make my life easier. Yeah. So it's bit.ly slash store my food, all lowercase, just to give uh, people the exact ones that I use. But I really, I have to say, I'm not as particular as you. And (laughs) I'm patting myself on the back because I meet all of your requirements. They are meal size, they're glass, they are leak-proof. They snap together. They don't take up too much space. They're dishwasher, microwave-safe, all that kind of stuff. And and I really like them. They're a bit of an investment up front. I think they're probably 4 or $5 each, but they're worth it over time. Okay. Well, I, I want to go there immediately and, and take a look. So that's cool. And uh, are they are they heavy if they're glass? Yeah, they're heavy. So I walk to work every day and I have, I just transitioned to a backpack. I'm regressing in my age, but I used to have a, a bag that was over one shoulder. Then that was too heavy because I was bringing all my food. So I then switched to a roller bag, but then the roller bag was kind of a pain and it made loud noise. So I went back to the old school backpack and I just consider it part of my extra workout to get my food all the way into the office and back. Okay. Understood. Well, thank you. At last, maybe we've we've cracked the code here. So much appreciated. Of course. And then for for the recipes, I am a fan of, of things you can make a bunch at once. So you mentioned the crock pot. So I think that's great for like stews or, or chili. You know, what are some of the other sort of go-tos? Like, hey, this is quick and easy to make a bunch of food at once that's, that it segments and stores and uh, lasts well. Yeah. So in that meal planning webinar, I have, I think, 20 or 30 of my favorite meal prep recipes that people can download as well. Uh, but think of things that are... Uh, that have some liquid in them or that you're not just tasting one food at a time. So for people with texture issues, meal prep can be a little harder because something like a filet of salmon doesn't reheat as well as a chicken chili or something like that. Uh, But if you can do soups, stews, casseroles, quiches, any kind of stir fry dish, or I love cauliflower rice and zucchini noodles, things like that, with sauces on them, all of those reheat really, really well. Perfect. Thank you. Well, Megan, tell me, this is so good. Anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Oh, there are just so many. I think the last thing that we didn't talk about was the impact of the gut microbiome on our on our health. And this is just getting so much press lately. I, it's one of my pet peeves when people come to me and they say, I saw this study that says obese people have a different gut microbiome than uh, non-obese people. And so this is just kind of how I'm going to be the rest of my life or uh, whatever, fill in the blank with something other than obesity. But one of my favorite studies is when they they used mice, but they're trying to right now extrapolate this to humans. And they switched the mice from a plant-based diet, plant-rich diet, to a Western diet with refined sugars, low quality fats, all this kind of stuff. And their microbiome, their the gut bacteria changed within one day. 
So it is true that some of these people, if you are obese or you are sick or you have type 2 diabetes or something, it is true that part of it is your gut microbiome, but it's a bit of the chicken and the egg here. You have the power to change it. So I always encourage my clients, take one step in the right direction. Don't get overwhelmed by all of this information and say, I have to do everything or nothing because that's why people do nothing. Just do one thing. Make a veggie pack this week and have one every day or try to trade your soda for water tomorrow. Just do one thing and you will feel so much better from that, that you'll get the the snowball rolling and it'll keep growing. Mm, that's excellent. Well, so quick question on the gut microbiome. Are, yeah. are probiotics amazing? Uh, what's your take? The right quality probiotics are amazing. Unfortunately, most probiotics on the market are heat processed and that deactivates most of the good stuff. Uh, so be sure you're getting a good quality probiotic. The one that I usually recommend I get from Amazon or a health food store, it's garden of life, the ultimate flora. I'll, I'll give you a link to put that in the show notes as well. But if you're not getting that one, just be sure that it says that it's not been heat processed or it's in a dark glass container or even better eat some probiotic rich foods like sauerkraut or kefir or kimchi or uh, some of these things with weird names that taste a little bit bitter. If you're getting true yogurt with actual probiotics and you tolerate dairy, that's great too. Uh, It's just as easy or just as possible to get your probiotic from food. Oh, perfect. All right. Well then, could you now share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Absolutely. It's, uh, It's one that many people will have heard, but I wrote it on my entrance to high school wall. We got to decorate the wall. So it's always been my favorite. It's Thoreau. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you have imagined. Mm, Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I think it's that that one that says 5.6 to 7.8 million premature deaths could be prevented if we just eat five to eight servings of vegetables per day. Okay. And how about a favorite book? Right now, my favorite book is Food, What the Heck Should I Eat by Mark Hyman. And a favorite tool? Favorite tool is Follow Up Then. It's a free email tool that helps me keep track of my clients. It sends you a reminder uh, when you should follow up with someone by email. And how about a favorite habit? My morning routine. I do a 10-step morning routine every morning, meditation, gratitude journal, exercise, drinking a bunch of water things like that. And it just makes me so much more productive every day. And is there a particular nugget you share with folks that really seems to connect and resonate and they say, wow, Megan, that's so good. Every day, every meal, every bite is a new opportunity. Make the most of it. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? My website, thelionshare.org has almost everything, but they can also find me on social media at the lion share on, uh, Instagram or Facebook, or they can email me Megan at the lion Yes. And I think it's so important. So I'll just say lions share as in your name, L Y O N S as opposed Thank to the, the animal and, and, and two S's lions share.org. So great stuff. Thank you. you. You are hired. You can be on my <laughs> uh, on my marketing team because I say that so many times per day, and I, and I thank you for filling in the blanks here. Well, we just shared so much important stuff with regard to sort of the the recipes and the meal planning and and the items. It's just like I think it's so important <laughs> that we don't miss out because that's great. Thank you. 
And do you have a final challenge or, or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Well, we, we talked about the veggie packs enough. So I think I, that's going to be the challenge. Make a veggie pack, one for every day. Start with five days during the week. Raw vegetables, anything you like, just get a fist size in there and eat that before any other snacks for one week. And let me know if you don't feel better. I will be shocked. Perfect. Well, Megan, thank you so much for bringing some clarity and some sanity and some wisdom to this important topic. It's been a lot of fun and I wish you and uh, the Lion's Share Wellness, you know, all the best. Thank you, Pete. It's been fun for me too. I really loved Megan's evidence base on this stuff when there's a whole lot of clutter and confusion in this universe. So I hope you found that super useful. And I think you'll also find super useful all the links Megan was so kind as to proactively email me a bundle of them. That's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F318. One of the things in there I really dug was her meal planning mastery webinar at uh, five bucks. What a, what a steal and had a lot of really useful information. And it's clear that she understands the real struggle that folks are going through when it comes to the meal planning and how to master it. Hence meal planning mastery. So that's that scoop. That and more good links at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F318. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push the subscribe button. You'll hear from our next guest. It is Brad Stotts. He is talking about how to never stop learning. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.